You're listening to Partnernomics Podcast, where we discuss the art and science of developing successful strategic partnerships. To learn more about the suite of Partnernomics solutions, visit Partnernomics.com. Well, today I am joined by Mr. Michael Formatog from uh, Mercedes-Benz. Michael and I have, uh, man, just really enjoyed uh, having a conversation with, with Michael, some Definitely some topics that we're both passionate about. One of those, obviously, and definitely is, is partnerships. But uh, Michael is joining us from Germany. And Michael is the, the head of innovation and partnerships for marketing and sales for Mercedes-Benz. But Michael, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you joining us. Absolutely. Thank you. Happy to be here. Looking forward. So, Michael, if you wouldn't mind, I'd love to, to just have you set the stage for us and chat a little bit about your career, just kind of how you got started. It's always interesting to hear about how people start into their business career and then how they've traversed and then found themselves into a partnering role. Would you mind just quickly kind of just get us up to speed on your career and, and how you landed in the partnering seat? Absolutely. Yeah. For, for some reason, uh, the partnering has been with me most most of the time, actually. Right. So I, I studied industrial engineering and management relatively broad, looking a bit at entrepreneurship, a bit of networks and partnering in that studies already. But then it finally uh, led me to, to actually writing a thesis on innovation and collaboration, which was basically igniting <laughs> that space for me because I was like really uh, sitting in uh, back then in Switzerland, uh, in Zurich and, and trying to digest the topic and I, I enjoyed it a lot, right? So I, I uh, understood for myself, this is definitely something I wanna look at. And, and then I continued basically in that, uh, joining um, eventually Daimler or Mercedes-Benz at some point with different stages in the more innovation space. Uh, and then at some point um, I took the opportunity to, to build basically a team which specifically looks at business development partnerships and how we can get innovative products in that space um, through collaboration moving in the, in the wider area of marketing uh, and, and sales, uh, which, which I'm currently now still heading and uh, very happy about it. Yeah. So Michael, has your entire career been in the automotive space so far? So I have been before, uh, like briefly looking to, uh, to fund an own startup. And I briefly also was working in, um, in a company which was um, kind of a venturing company for university technology. So uh, I was, for example, looking into how to market uh, particle, um, particle accelerator shieldings. <laughs> Well, that sounds exciting. It's a bit different, but it was really fun because you, you got kind of a, a very different angle to, to, to now the automotive industry, right? So, uh, yeah, and then I, I, I joined uh, Daimler afterwards. Awesome. So, Michael, you are in, you know, sales and marketing and partnerships. So talk yeah. to us a little bit about the different types of partnerships that you manage or that you find yourself in the, in the middle of. Yeah, so, um, so what I'm looking at generally is um, how can we bring valuable partnerships to our whole marketing and sales organization, right? And those partnerships for us are usually, and what I'm most interested in is, is the non-traditional partnerships for our organization, right? So, um, and for our organization, traditional partnerships would be, you have an agency which does stuff for you, you have a supplier as an automotive company which delivers parts and, and the likes, 
um, you maybe have dealers, right? And, and that these are traditional partnerships, or you work with an IBM, with a Microsoft, Google, right? The big companies. This is for me not so interested because this is all very established. So I'm looking at the the new things, the non-traditional things. So it's mainly startup companies, scale-up companies, or it's companies which are established, but um, we don't have an existing relationship, classic relationship with, right? So for example, one thing I'm doing is uh, I'm running a, a startup program based in Tel Aviv together with uh, Coca-Cola and WarnerMedia and Walmart. Right? So it's like all companies, and that's perfect for me because it's exciting, it's not, it's not traditional. So if I talk to, to WarnerMedia, it's, uh, it's very different if I compared to talk, me talking to BMW because we are not competing, I don't know, maybe in the future on some topics, who knows, right? But, but generally speaking, it's, it's, it's a very different, uh, different, different angle. So Michael, you know, what we call, it sounds like, you know, what you're saying is those traditional relationships, those traditional partnerships is more of what we would call the commodity side of, you know, it's the, the script has been built. We buy metal, we buy steel, we buy all of this stuff and we build cars and that playbook is already written. But really what, what excites you and where you spend your time is working on that non-traditional or really sounds like strategic partnerships. Those things that are high innovation, yeah high risk, but high potential reward and uh, trying to, to build those relationships and really see kind of what, what comes out of it and what's the opportunity to create that differentiation, create that additional value for your clients. Is that accurate? To some extent, yes, but I would even layer it a bit more because we're, I mean, I'm looking at those strategic things you said, but not only that, because even in this non-traditional space, and I think that's something which uh, is overlooked in many times in, in these functions, is um, there's a lot of opportunity and also small partnering opportunities, which are not strategic, right? So I don't know, you have someone who's building a website and there's this startup, which has a very significant feature, which can help that website to be more exciting, right? I wouldn't consider that as a strategic partnership, right? But it still requires us and let's say our business development work in order to make that small, tiny engagement fruitful because the cultures are so different. It's not just a transaction as you just mentioned before because it's not established, right? So it's new. It's a startup which has never worked with a big OEM, big car company like ours. But on the other hand, um, it would generate benefits. So, so we are really looking at all from, from the very tiny uh, beneficial for in the individual teams to of course also the larger uh, strategic, more impactful conversations. Okay. So Michael, just so I've kind of got my head wrapped around it. So like whenever I think about uh, really innovative partnerships for, um, you know, for an automobile manufacturer, I'm thinking of uh, electric cars. I'm thinking of different technologies that goes into the car itself. I'm thinking about uh, headlights that last forever and they're super, super bright, but they don't blind oncoming traffic. It sounds like you spend most of your time working on through the, the sales and marketing side of pushing the brand out further as opposed to technologies that's actually going to make their way yeah. into the car. Is that accurate? That is absolutely accurate, yeah. So we, awesome. we, we split kind of in the car business and now in, in my case, the marketing sales business. But it's not, I, I think it's for us even more interesting, uh, interesting in a way because I'm not saying the other stuff is not interesting, right? <laughs> but um, but the one thing is you have a very clear goal. You have a very clear product, right? You have the car, you want to make it better and you figure out a lot of things around it. Um, and you even have a core competency in it, right? But but we are now looking into a marketing and sales phase and 
partnering is, in my opinion, uh, probably even more important in that space because there are so many things which we as a car manufacturer are not, I mean, we're not doing it or we should also not do it alone, right? So the partnership becomes much more interesting in a, in a space where you, you have maybe less, you know, core competencies. And so, so that's why I think it's, it's pretty exciting to be in that space. So, Michael, you have a, a real passion for entrepreneurship, it sounds like, as well as innovation. And uh, it sounds like you really enjoy working with these smaller companies and startups, these uh, technology-driven companies, and looking at, at leveraging their capabilities, their knowledge, their assets in order to, to help Mercedes-Benz. Talk to us a little bit about uh, you know, what it's like and what you look for whenever you evaluate small companies that have technologies. That's a good question. I mean, um, for me, there's, uh, there's lots of layers, right? So uh, one layer is, of course, the product, right? So if I, uh, but it, I think any, anyone should do that, right? So how is the product fitting to your needs? And I think this is, um, this is absolutely crucial um, to, to be, have a very clear understanding on the one hand, on our end, on the company end, uh, what do we actually really need? versus what does the startup really do, right? And there's the first, <laughs> first translation work, which my team has to do is on the one hand, really distill basically the real pain points and needs from the organization, which we see commitments, which we see drive and which we see there's a future potential for it. And then understand in the outside world uh, with let's say a startup or scale up company, what do they really do? And is it, of course, they might say they do it, but we of course have to dig a bit deeper and really understanding is there a match? And I think this is kind of the first, uh, the first and probably most important thing is, is really an, a true and honest match. If you have this, um, then you, you can basically check on a lot of things. Um, but then of course you can't forget, and I think this is probably equally important, uh, how is the, the current compatibility between what you search for and what the company provides uh, combined with the future compatibility for let's say a scaled implementation, right? So, so that's also something we very early look into is, is really, is, can, I mean, it's a great product. We have the need, but we see this just can't work because it can be personal, it can be structural, it can be cultural. Some things you can try to, to uh, navigate around or to fix. Some things it's just not worth the effort or you can't do it. Uh, and some things are, uh, if you look in companies and, and they are kind of the, the goal to reach eventually in a, in a couple of months or years, if that is different than, than what our teams have, then it's also something uh, we, we don't want to do. And we, we try to help both sides save themselves, you know, because uh, it's bad for the, the big corporate if, uh, if they have an expectation which can't be met by the startup, but it's even worse, to be honest, if the startup has an expectation to grow to a certain level and they need to grow to a certain level to fulfill investment goals or whatever, and the corporate can't because the plans are different. So, so that's maybe two of the, the major things. And of course, there's, there's other items, but I think that's, that's maybe two, two good takeaways. Yeah, it's really an interesting uh, part there. Michael, and it takes me back to, to my career, right? Whenever I was at Sprint and we had had conversations, I'd evaluated, gosh, it feels like hundreds of startups that had new technologies, had new content, had new games, had all of this stuff, right? That we were putting on our network. And one of the things that I personally had to find myself being really cognizant of is 
having the conversation with those companies and really getting them to lay out their vision, lay out their strategy. What are they doing? What, what do they see over the next six, 12 months, two Absolutely. years, three years? And making sure that I don't show my cards too early because sometimes it could be really attractive to just see that multi-billion dollar company, that potential multi-million dollar contract. And you almost, you can, you can definitely influence and you can pull that startup who most of them are starved for growth, starved for cash, looking for money, looking for opportunities. And, uh, you know, I always had to be really conscious and cognizant to make them give me their strategy first. I want to see the road they're on. And then Absolutely. I want to make an evaluation to see if we have intersection, if we have yeah. alignment. Uh, has that been your experience as well, Michael? Uh, 100%. Yeah, 100%. I think this is, is, is like one of the most crucial parts, I think, is this, this strategic alignment. Because if you have diverging goals, then eventually you won't succeed. Uh, on, on the one hand, you need kind of to, as you just said, right, you need upfront to understand if the goals match. But I think you also have kind of, this is like a, a, a constant back and forth. And that's why the partnership role to, to come back also to, to what we do, right? So the partnership role is so important as kind of an intermediary, which tries to be kind of uh, neutral to understand what's our complex, in my case, Mercedes or our company's goals, strategies and uh, path forward or the team we're working with, the partnership would be executed with. And at the same time, looking at that in the startup and having a constant monitoring, because I think in my experience, as soon as you see that strategies diverge, um, it's, it's kind of bound to fail at some point because uh, the expectation is here from a startup maybe or from the corporate and the expectation from the other person is, is somewhere else. So I think really having someone in a partnership role is really getting, getting that relationship to a true partnership where, where you have that knowledge about the, the strategic alignment is absolutely crucial. Yeah, no question, no question. Mike, I'm gonna ask you, um, you know, from your seat, imagine there's, there's a lot of these smaller companies that are looking to get into a sumo, looking to get into a big yeah. company. What kind of advice would you have for some of these founders, uh, some, of, some of these guys and gals? What yeah. advice would you have, kind of step one, how, yeah. how should they connect with, how do they kick <laughs> off the conversation yeah. with a Michael at Mercedes-Benz uh, to present their opportunity? Yeah, please don't cold call me. <laughs> so I mean, this is this is maybe a first or like zero point five uh, of the call, of the item. So that that is actually something which is uh, it's it's tough in a role like mine. I don't know if you also saw that that it's now on LinkedIn or not even on on the on the phone. You get those cold calls from someone who is like semi uh, prepared and wants just to shoot and sell, and I like. No, <laughs> and it really depends if I politely decline or if I not so politely decline or if I just ignore, but it's not gonna be successful, right? So I think uh, the number one advice is um, in order to work with a company like ours and especially with a role like a business development role in, you know, to someone who is actually friendly towards external <laughs> entities, right? So the biggest advice is don't just sell. Um, don't just sell something, um, figure out what actually your counterpart needs 
what's his state of mind, what's his research, understand what I probably want to, and don't try to, you know, sell me, connect. If, if, you, if you think we have honestly some value together, important also here together, right? So we're not, I'm not, you, if you tell me I sell you that and uh, I will buy it because it's valuable, like for sure, I'm not so sure, right? So really try to, to see my needs, my, uh, my pains, uh, my role, and try to get in a discussion and figuring out what I might need, right? I think discussion has to be first, not sales pitch. Sales pitch is good for a salesperson to um, a buyer, but not if you are actually in, in the space of, of partnerships. So I think that's the biggest, the biggest misconception. And, and, and maybe on that side, like as a, a small side note, um, startups usually pitch, right? So here's the pitch. And usually they have one, that is how it feels to me in 95% of the cases, they have one pitch which they throw at everyone. And this is, this is uh, also very unnecessary and, and unwise because I mean, every individual has different uh, requirements and uh, reasoning and, and business, you know? So if I have an investor, of course, I want to have a pitch for money and they, they need to see the market cap and they need to see, and I don't know, in the matrix that the startup is on the top left and there's a hockey curve and whatever, <laughs> and probably will also go through that. But, but if I'm looking on partnerships and how can I generate mutual value between my company and this company, then of course the conversation has to be entirely different, right? And I think that is something companies need to understand to be successful in, in, in really developing business. And, yeah, and Mike, I love what you're time. saying there and, and I, I couldn't agree more. Um, I know that I think back to opportunities whenever, you know, whenever we were looking at, um, at, you know, needing different solutions, looking to partner with companies in particular, smaller companies. And, um, it, it, it starts with the relationship and it starts with building yeah. the relationship. You have to put enough information on the table so that you get that sumo interested, you get them to where they can see potentially see how your solution, that, that startup solution, that smaller company solution, how it might fit into the picture, fit into the mix. But really the smarter approach, I think, is to develop a relationship with that person from that sumo company. And they will basically coach you on what you need to pitch, you yeah. know, how you could put your pitch together. So don't guess, don't sell, be prepared, do your research, but it's not transactional, you know, to your Absolutely, point, it's yeah. not a exactly, sell, it's exactly. not a transaction, uh, especially in pieces like this, it truly is strategic. You're looking yeah. for something different. You're looking for that differentiation. And so it's a lot more complicated than just, you know, putting your widgets, you yeah. know, in, into our system, because it's, if, if there was a widget that was already in the market, we would have already bought it and moved on. Yeah, if it was that easy, exactly, right? So it's not, it's, not, it's never, your, I, I need your solution. It's, we can discuss and figure out if we need your solution. And if we need your solution, we jointly have to figure out how to navigate the complex, comp, comp, uh, the complex environment basically to, to come to something which is mutually beneficial, right? So I think that, that is definitely, definitely a key. Um, and it's also, I, uh, I had a discussion with, um, with a professor from Georgia Tech two years ago, I think, but, but he had a really good example and uh, he said, that um, it's very important to understand that you can, as a startup, have a 50 million business case working with Mercedes or with Amazon or with whatever company, 
and for you it's super clear that why why wouldn't they do it because we save you 15 million right but on my end i have limited time and i might have a deal which saves 50 million next to it so you, you need to understand my state of mind and, and and where i am because even saving 50 million is maybe something i'm not doing mostly i will try to do it but but you know it, there is occasions where exactly this is not the case because there's so i mean especially in a multinational company you have so much time and there's so many opportunities so you have to to juggle what's kind of top of your mind yeah that's a great point with some of these smaller companies uh, a million dollar budget to them versus the sumo which is a multi-billion dollar company um the the scale is different yeah. <laughs> you know the conversations are different so your point is, is very well taken there so michael let's go kind of downstream a little bit right so we're, we're having a conversation with this smaller company we're interested in the technology that they have what are some recommendations that you would have to these founders uh, you know these folks from the smaller company as to how they manage the the relationship and the conversation and the communications what are some of those success practices that they can follow so i, th I think uh i mean we've been uh, discussing this a bit already uh, and you said it i think foundation for every relationship is trust so you have to do as a joint project team from the corporate side or whatever like the company the buying company the selling company if you want right they have to they have to have a, a, a relationship a real relationship a partnership in a way right so so this has to be trustful it has to be mutual goals and vision and you have to to do everything to reach this because if it's as you said right if it's only transactional you are in a regular sales mode this can be good or bad but it's 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 specific, uh, specifically good for transactional goods and, and not for more complex and strategic ones so that would be my first advice and then in that space if you build that partnership i think it's kind of related but a bit uh, aside of it is you really have to communicate uh, constantly very transparently and have a very clear joined understanding of where you are and then by doing this, also understanding the individual goals, you also have talked a bit about this. In that space, I think it might even make sense um, to think about a joint goal framework, right? So um, I think I had good experiences uh, with, with the objectives and key results framework, OKRs, which also big companies like Google are using to, to steer their own organization um, to kind of why not setting up joint goals between the project teams and both both sides of the project teams because eventually if you if you really are partners then you should convert to the same goals right so why not being transparent on really achieving also same goals tracking yourself uh, understanding where you are and and then steering against it at from uh, point and also in an of course iterative manner as, as okrs for example as a framework can help you with right and and in this uh, and that's maybe the last advice and, and there is that we could give more advices on culture and on operation but the last advice then i would say is here on if you check your goals and communicate and have a good foundation on trust then i think a constant checking in on strategic alignment is maybe something i would also give as an advice because that's for me always the most sad thing if um, everything goes theoretically good but at some point you see that uh let's say the, the project, the joint project is maybe not so much um, rooted anymore in a deeper corporate strategy. And this, is, this doesn't go out to the founders alone. This goes to the whole project team, right? So founders and corporate project partner, I think you have to constantly look is you're, you're building exciting tech with an exciting company and it's amazing, but 
I think constantly like probing whether you still pay into the the grand vision of the company and aligning it and positioning it and communicating it and taking your stakeholders to it is I think uh, maybe one of the most important things for success. Yeah, that, that task of alignment is not a one-time task. Yeah. Right? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> it's, it's constant all the way through the, the relationship. So Michael's kind of referring to, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just throw this out here, Michael, just so, so I know, I forgot to ask, but Michael's going through our foundations course, the Partnernomics Foundations course. Michael, how, how many lessons are you into? I'm trying, to, I'm trying to think how deep you are into the content of that first course. <laughs> Uh, so, so, so I think um, three quarters through it, I think. Three quarters through it. Okay. Yeah. That's pretty good. That's about four hours or so uh, through it, it sounds like. Well, some of the, the, the things that you've been talking about is the partnership success pyramid, right? Trust, yeah. alignment, yeah. transparency, yeah. esprit de corps, which is commitment, and then to, to get the results. So that's some of the things that, that Michael's talking about. Michael, I want, I want to have you talk to us about negotiating. You know, so we have this smaller company. We're we're interested in forming a, a relationship with them. What kind of advice would you have for that that smaller company as to how they should approach negotiating with a sumo? It's a it's an interesting um, interesting question um, because it also is I think from a partnership perspective. Uh, so how we tackle those things is um, our goal and uh, how I see my role. And I also would, would hope that lots of companies have some role like this is let's try to figure out, let's not negotiate in a sense, but let's be open on what we need from that relationship, both sides, because we start small usually. And I, I always advise for startup companies and any kind of sumo uh, to speak your lingo, basically to start small. Uh, to start start with some sort of proof of concept, which actually has clear KPIs in the end, which you want to measure, right? So you want to achieve something and you check in if you achieve it. But but let's say if that is your goal, be very transparent and just say, okay, so let's test this together and see if we make it, if we can make this successful. And be very transparent on what you need. Be very clear on the on the startup side. So we give you now a favorable deal. So we don't want to make money on this. We want to test it but also very clear. So we don't make money on this. So this price is not the price we will have later on because we of course want to make money eventually. And then on the corporate side, also uh, being very open on acknowledging this, communicating that in, inboundly basically, and also putting in efforts to contribute to the project. Of course, the necessary monetarily uh, assets, but also headcounts kind of in, in, in kicking off the project. So I, I would say the first step is actually not on negotiation, but it's actually on, on, on really figuring out if it works, but then then being on the level that you can uh, really do something which kind of evens, like let's say is, a, is a, a little risk play for both sides, right? So that, that you cover the costs eventually, be open on that, but then also be clear that then the negotiation after what happens. And I think then you are in, a, in, in actually the right spot to do any kind of negotiation because what happens is you, you, you are in a trusted relationship. You, you've been very open, very honest to each other, both sides of the team with a great foundation for any negotiation. Um, and then um, you prove that the product works because you, you, you tested it, you build a small product, you build KPIs, you see, and, the, and then you can start actually, what is it worth? And then the negotiation will be very much more on, on eye level. Um, it's, it's clear the value proposition, the company, uh, the corporate, the sumo can, can figure out what are they willing to pay. 
for something like this, the startup scale up, they can understand kind of what's the value. And then I think in the end, you come to a much, much better and fairer deal because both sides are on the same page. Yeah, Mike, I love that approach. And, and we did that a lot of times where you mention is like a pilot or a proof yeah. of concept that essentially gives you an opportunity to date <laughs> before you yeah, get married. Yeah. And so you can see, you know, what is the technology? Let me see it because there's there's so much, you know, reputation and just so much on the line for the sumo that it's really risky to, to yeah. work with, you know, smaller companies, younger companies, kind of pretty much unproven companies in a lot of cases. But, uh, you know, that's a way to, to really prove, to prove it out. And yeah. uh, I love that approach, that, that, that way to, to approach that. And what we talk about with negotiating is it, it, should, never it should never be adversarial. You know, so many yeah. times whenever you think about negotiating, it's uh, in the dark room with the spotlights, you know, going. <laughs> it should never be like that. It should yeah. really be you and your partner uh, against this market opportunity. It's, it's yeah. you yeah. on the same side of the table, you know, working with kind of, if, if you're negotiating against anything, it's negotiating against a market opportunity of how you're going to really seize that. So yeah. I totally love that approach. Uh, Michael, as we wrap up here a little bit, I just want to ask you, what is it about the partnering role that you really enjoy or what, uh, what is it that, that, that keeps you here? It sounds like you're really enjoying your role there, Mercedes. Uh, well, I think it's it's a lot of things. So on the one hand, um, I do like the interactive part, the social part on it, right? So this is, I think it's it's a it's a very different role than if you are sitting in like developing, figuring out something yourself. It's it's a very social and interactive interactive play, which I, I if I do enjoy a lot um, because um, with this, and and I believe that very strongly is right. So if you work with more. You can just achieve more also right so you if you work alone you're limited to whatever you alone or your organization even right so i'm not necessarily talking about me alone but say my team right so we can do stuff but if we partner we can do more and, and on that side i think that that's actually where it's really well even even getting me more is is the impact you can generate right because with with strategic partnering with figuring out the right strategic choices you can multiple basically what you can achieve yourself. And I think that is the, the big plus on partnering, right? So you can just do more you can achieve more, more strategic, uh, more value. And uh, yeah, that's what's, what gets me. <laughs> yeah. Love what it. about you actually? Could not agree more. <laughs> I absolutely could, could not agree more. Well, Michael, thank you so much for your time. It's been uh, fun chatting with you. Thanks for sharing your insights. And I look forward to staying in touch with you. We're going to get you into that second course. Absolutely. It was a pleasure. Partnernomics podcast is brought to you by Partnernomics. Learn how to leverage the power of partnership. To listen to more episodes of Partnernomics podcast, visit partnernomics.com.